This is Broken Pledge, a special project of the Columbus Dispatch. It is a story about fraternity hazing and the life and death of Colin Wyant, an 18-year-old student at Ohio University. I am Sheridan Hendricks. As you listen to this special project, please consider supporting investigative journalism like this by visiting dispatch.com slash subscribe. Truth, justice, brotherhood. Those are the tenets of Sigma Pi. They are central to the fraternity's creed that pledges must know by heart. On April 10, 2019, those pillars were tested in front of the Ohio University's hearing board. Sigma Pi was facing 11 violations of the student code of conduct, including hazing, hazing with brutality, alcohol consumption and distribution, and harmful behavior. And recordings obtained by the dispatch from a source show that it was time to answer the tough questions surrounding the death of Colin Wyant. This meeting of the Ohio University Hearing Board is called to order on Wednesday, April 10th, 2019 at 9 a.m. in Baker, 349 Baker University Center to remove, review the matter of Sigma Pi Fraternity Epsilon Chapter. This hearing meets an official session in accordance with the procedure stated in the Ohio University Student Code of Conduct. The purpose of this hearing is to objectively examine all the facts and circumstances regarding this matter and to decide whether Sigma Pi Fraternity Epsilon Chapter's actions violate the Code of Conduct. Please note that this hearing is being recorded and that I will be reading from a script. All hearings under this process will be closed to the public. Sigma Pi Chapter President Elijah Wahib wanted this. He demanded the hearing. It might be his last option to save his fraternity. The university had already sent a formal letter warning of possible expulsion. This was a big moment. How would he and the men of Sigma Pi handle it? Would they break the fraternity's code of silence in front of the university's hearing board? Would the members of Sigma Pi name names? Who brought the handle of Tito's vodka to the party called Blackout Monday and made pledges go in a room and drink it all? Who was doing drugs? Would they take responsibility for some of these things? The hearing room inside Baker Center, the student union and hub of the campus, was nondescript. Windows led in the sunshine, and noise of construction crews jackhammering and moving heavy machines just outside. Inside the room was a three-member student conduct hearing board, including Butch Hill, the chairman. The process was pretty simple. Witnesses who were interviewed as part of the university's investigation were called to the hearing. Before the hearing, witnesses sat in a waiting room and were given the original statements they made during OU's investigation that had been transcribed by university investigator Mary-Kate Kennedy. Witnesses were then called in individually and allowed to clarify or change their statements. Elijah, the Student Conduct Hearing Board, and its investigator could ask the witnesses questions about their previous statements. A local attorney, Matthew Carlisle, represented the Sigma Pi chapter at the hearing. The university's witness list consisted of 21 people, according to documents and an audio recording of the hearing obtained by the dispatch through a source. Several were members of Colin Wine's pledge class. Many of them had told OU's investigator about the hazing they endured. The others on the list included friends of Colin Wyant and his dorm roommate and residence hall advisor. A few of Sigma Pi's active members, Joshua Andrusak and Charlie Winovich, were also called. Corbin Gustafson, who 
who was with Colin that night and called 911, did not respond to the university's request to participate in the hearing. From the start of the hearing, Elijah was short and combative. Well, uh, I'm not going to sit here and uh, take charges which uh, we deem to be untrue. And um, that is not what this fraternity is about. And I hope uh, we'll see that throughout this hearing. He chewed ice and frequently reached for the water pitcher at the table. During several instances in which he had the chance to interview witnesses, he asked them to provide only their university address and their home address. He told one of the witnesses he was doing so in case he wanted to reach them after the hearing. Mary Kate Kennedy, the university's investigator, at one point said he was trying to intimidate witnesses. I think it's important to note that there were numerous times where Eli, as a representative of the chapter, stared down witnesses or gave head nods to individuals making their statements. It's also important to note that based on the limited information provided by Eli as the president of the chapter, he's either completely clueless as to what his executive board members were doing during pledge education, or he just didn't care, which would then trickle down into the general running of the chapter. Charlie Winovich, Elijah, and another active member called to testify at the hearing declined to make changes to their original statements. Then the pledges were called. They all had since become active members of Sigma Pi. The pledges testified that they had never said some of the things that appeared in their transcribed statements, or they couldn't remember saying them. They tried to walk back significant portions of their original statements. Why do you think your perspective on not remembering a lot of these points is so drastically different than what other people would have shared about their experience in the pledge process. I couldn't tell you. I don't know. And then there's a statement saying there was a couple of times where his pledge brother stood up to Blue yelling him to cut it out, and I just don't recall that. Like I said, it started up clapping and he stood away. I don't remember saying that. I don't remember that happening. Did you confirm that active members would give you different foods to eat? So, eating foods, that's like a normal thing, I guess. I, I eat foods a lot. In the context of with your pledge brothers, from active members to pledge members? Um, I, yeah, sure, I guess you could say they provided food for us. What kind of foods would they provide? I mean, I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. I don't really remember every single meal I ate. Okay. And how would you get notified that active members needed you or needed help to do your laundry? Um, I don't, honestly, I don't really remember. So are you suggesting um, that PT didn't happen at 45 mil? I mean, I'm sure at some point we PT. I don't remember, honestly, but... So can you talk with us about your perspective on um, the use of eggs during your time as a pledge? I don't remember it. You don't remember there ever being any incident involving eggs? Nope. Okay. What about hot sauce? I don't recall that. Okay. Yeah, and then I want to expand on this. It says, Witness Q said that there was self-induced peer pressure because pledges wanted to impress the guys around them. I think that's true for pretty much eighteen-year-old any 18-year-old guy. Like, when you're with a bunch of 18-year-old people, you obviously want to stand out. I don't know if everyone said that, but I can tell you personally that you just like want to go out of your way to make everybody think better of you, and you sometimes you do stuff that like you just don't want to. Like you go out of your way to do it. The pledges did admit to buying alcohol with fake identification, 
including the alcohol for Sigma Pi's Blackout Monday party. Me and all my buddies, or all my pledge brothers, basically, we went, got a handle of um, Tito's Vodka, mm-hmm. and we basically went there. We hung out while we were, everyone was setting up the party and stuff like that. We all split the, there was only about like six of us, we all split the handle. Um, it was a pretty big one. It was like a uh, very big one of it. Um, we all drank it. We all got drunk, and I, I don't know, I pretty much blacked out that night, so I can't, I don't know what happened after I pretty much finished the bottle. Okay. So who got the handle? I cannot tell you. I have no idea. It was probably just, it was, if I could guess, it was probably just like, hey, is anyone stopping by? Um, can anyone stop and get a Tito's on the way to the, the dorms or stuff like that? Because it was our, our dorm. Where did you all drink the handle? Um, we started at the we started at the dorms a little bit, and then we brought it to uh, 45. And they sounded frustrated and angry with the investigation process and answering questions about Colin's death. When it comes to, like, talking about it or venting about what happened, I mean, it's been six months. I mean, it's not like I can sit here and cry about what happened still. I mean, I get, we got to handle stuff like this. So, I mean, it's just a matter of just, like, what do you think is going to happen or, like, stuff like that. Or, like, why is everyone up our ass about, like, what's happening and stuff like that. They said that during the university's investigation, they were prodded with leading questions to give certain answers. The investigator put words in their mouth, they said. And they weren't going to comment about the pledging process. Hazing? Didn't happen, they said. A few times, they said the things like tackle football and binge drinking for Blackout Monday was, quote, just boys being boys. A female student who hung out with the Sigma Pi members and Colin testified that she was mistaken about the fraternity's reputation in her original statement. I stated um, in this paragraph right here that the alcohol or substance use in um, all the fraternities were the same, but um, I'd like to say that it was more extensive in the organization that Colin was a part of. A few times, Elijah asked questions of the pledges. He mainly stuck to trying to refute the forced alcohol consumption alleged by the university. Uh, do you ever feel like during your pledge process that you were ever forced to do anything? No. Were there consequences for not doing something that maybe an active member may have asked of you to do? No. Do you consider older guys in the fraternity good examples for you? Yes. Do you feel like you were hazed? No. And last question, um, in regards to cleaning the bars, because I obviously work at J-Bar, clarify why you were cleaning late at night. I was cleaning late at night because... The bar had closed, and we had been in there, and I was very drunk, and I basically, I mean, everyone, they were already cleaning up, and I was having fun with all my friends, and part of some of my friends were cleaning, so I was just like, I'll help out clean, but it wasn't a matter of being forced to do it. And what do I always say about how you get a job at a bar? You get a job at a bar by cleaning there early, and my roommate has a job there right now, too. But when asked whether there was forced alcohol consumption, a pledge, and now active member of Sigma Pi answered yes. Toward the end of the first day of the hearing, the frustration for Elijah and Sigma Pi boiled over when it was Joshua Andrusak's turn to testify. Joshua was one of the Sigma Pi men with Colin that night. He had bought the box of whippets and passed them around. Joshua said back in November that he broke down when he heard the news that Colin had died in the early morning hours. Joshua couldn't make it to the hearing in person, but might be available by phone. The board members said they were going to try to call him. 
He isn't going to answer, Elijah shot back. The board member said that they would still give it a shot. Hello? Is this Josh Andersek? This is he speaking. The Sigma Pi attorney with Elijah seemed to take exception to the process. I'm going to enter an objection at this point. You're asking him to verify a statement that he just got read over the phone that doesn't even have actual names in it. You're really putting the witness in an unfair position and thus putting Sigma Pi in an unfair position. I, I don't. I think this witness needs to be continued, one, until he can get a chance to read it, but two, with potential ongoing um, criminal investigation as well as an ongoing civil matter, there are parts in his statement that he may need advice from an attorney on and because he could uh, potentially say or do something that, that uh, might not be to his benefit. So um, I want to put that on the record and I think this witness should not be allowed to testify until he has a chance to actually read the statement and potentially get advice as to what to do after reading the statement. So at this point, as part of our process, every every person has the opportunity to hear or see their statement, and then provide comment to that. To that end, he can provide comment at this point should he choose to, and his decision to seek outside counsel is solely his decision. The legal and civil matters are not part of this process. Well, Mr. Wyatt, as you already said, was not part of uh, the, the instances surrounding his death are not a part of this process either. If, if I was um, paraphrasing you correctly and I would say probably 98 to 99 percent of the statement is dealing with that particular night and not dealing with hazing allegations or the other allegations that you've made. Um, I think in this statement in particular though we are not adjudicating whether or not the organization is responsible for Colin Wayne's death. Um, there are potentially statements that if true would implicate the organization as a part of hazing by providing illegal drugs um, in the scenario. So that's why this is included as a part of this investigation. Uh, Mr. Andrusak, if I were you, I would not answer any questions Sorry, or plead the fifth. Well, he... I hang up the phone. Yeah, I have no comment. Let's pause for a second here. Colin Wyant did not die during a formal pledge event. It wasn't during organized hazing and it's unclear whether he felt pressured to do the whippet in front of the other Sigma Pi members. But the hearing and Ohio University's investigation pointed out several instances in which Colin and pledges were put in harm's way. Instances such as Blackout Monday, the Gatlinburg trip when Colin's relationship with Sigma Pi changed after he was punched and belted, and being forced to play tackle football in their boxers, that all factored in for the university. Remember the fraternity's roster Elijah turned in that didn't list Colin as a former pledge? Taylor Tackett, OU's assistant dean of students, said that was a factor when school officials determined that Colin was affiliated with Sigma Pi. I mean, I think that we, that was a factor and all the way through the process, right? I think ultimately, you know, we, we were like, you're going through this process, you're still going to events in the organization, you're still interacting with these people. For us, that would mean that there was a connection to the organization. And remember when Kathleen and Wade asked Colin about the letters missing from the Sigma Pi house? Well, for the university, that was a big deal, too. It meant there was less oversight, fewer rules. Dr. Jenny Hall-Jones, OU's Dean of Students, explained. 
of an official fraternity house, we have a relationship with the housing core. We have a relationship because we allow our sophomores to live in those houses. Um, we monitor those houses to make sure that they are have the same kind of health and safety regulations that they would have on campus because we're allowing our students to live there. We have a two-year uh, live on campus rule, two-year two parietal rule. And so as sophomores, we make an, an exception to allow sophomores to live off campus in a sanctioned sorority fraternity house. And so there's a little bit more oversight and connection to those houses. Um, an annex house is just like any other off-campus house where a bunch of students live. So okay. a bunch of students who are in the chess club could all live in a house together, right? So the annex houses are more, um, well, they're just random. It turns out that of the university's 30-plus sanctioned Greek organizations, only three have an annex or a non-university sanctioned house, like Sigma Pi. In day two of the hearing, Elijah was allowed to call witnesses. He declined. Before the board met in private to decide Sigma Pi's fate, Elijah and the university's investigator, Mary-Kate Kennedy, were allowed to read closing statements. For 10 minutes, Kennedy expressed her shock and disappointment in Elijah and the members of Sigma Pi. I also think it's really important to note that in transplanting the statements that they provided in their witness interviews, many of the men downplayed a lot of these situations. They talked about how there were nice guys in the fraternity, there were good men in the fraternity. They didn't want to get people in trouble. They wanted to tell people what happened, but they didn't want everybody to suffer the consequences. In terms of inconsistent statements at the hearing, people came in yesterday wanting to completely change their stories and statements. And like I just said, in both scenarios, they were reminded to tell the truth as providing false and misleading information is a violation of the code of conduct. And two examples yesterday that I want to bring up for consideration is when I asked very pointedly if they had lied during their interview or at the hearing yesterday, one individual stated that he didn't know. So he couldn't give you an answer as to when he had not been truthful. And the other person, after about a 10 second pause, was, didn't provide an audible answer. And I think that's really telling because at some point, there wasn't truth. Elijah's closing statement was brief. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. <clears throat> Sigma Pi Epsilon Chapter is a strong group with some of the most exemplary men I've ever met, and I am proud to be a part of an organization of young men that helps to benefit others. It is also the strongest brotherhood I know, which was available for everyone to see when we lost our own Ross Griffin to suicide last year in February. Since that, we have all gone through a lot, which has only made us closer and appreciate each other more. Eradicating this organization would effectively destroy an amazing support system for 60 men on campus and would take away something that is near and dear to every single member's heart. It didn't take long for a decision from the three-member board. They agreed with the university's initial findings and found Sigma Pi in violation of 10 of the 11 rules of student conduct. Sigma Pi was permanently expelled from campus.
The leaders of Sigma Pi's national chapter offered little beyond condolences in the aftermath of Colin Wyant's death. They also had little comment on the university's investigation. That remains the case today. After being contacted by the dispatch, an attorney representing Sigma Pi International sent this statement. Quote, Sigma Pi fraternity was deeply saddened to learn about the tragic death of Colin Wyant early on the morning of November 12, 2018. We continue to send our sincere condolences to his family and friends, and the entire Ohio University community. In light of the lawsuit initiated by the Wyant family, we will not comment further on the matter. If the media or public wish to learn more about the fraternity's position in the lawsuit, the fraternity respectfully refers any and all interested parties to its pleadings and other documents that are made publicly available by the local court. In court records, part of the Wyant lawsuit, the national fraternity denied wrongdoing and said Colin was under suspension by the fraternity when he died. It also argued that it was not aware of any hazing at the OU chapter and could not be considered negligent. In the spring of 2018, the fraternity launched a national campaign called hashtag why I believe. The purpose of the campaign was to showcase where alumni and members would be if, quote, Sigma Pi didn't exist, according to the video it posted on YouTube. In the video, Sigma Pi's executive director and CEO, Jonathan M. Frost, asked Sigma Pi members to capture the positivity the fraternity brought to their lives. We are quickly approaching the 122nd Founders Day celebration of Sigma Pi Fraternity, and we'd like to introduce you to a new campaign, which will launch on Founders Day called Why I Believe. The Why I Believe campaign is unique to anything we've ever done. We want to showcase the positive impact that Sigma Pi has had in each of our lives and show everyone why we believe in the fraternal experience and its lasting influence. Maybe you met your significant other, your best friend, or your golfing buddies through the fraternity. Maybe it's shaped you into a better man and leader. Either way, we want you to reflect on your life and how it would be different without Sigma Pi. We encourage you to submit your story at the form linked below and on Founders Day, share it on social media with the hashtag WhyIBelieve. We look forward to hearing your stories and celebrating the 122nd Founders Day of Sigma Pi. I believe. Within 24 hours of Ohio University's decision to kick Sigma Pi off campus, a Sigma Pi pledge died at the University of Buffalo. 18-year-old freshman Sebastian Serafin Bazan was being hazed around midnight in April 2018, according to news reports, when he started having trouble breathing. He went into cardiac arrest. He had been ordered to do exercises at the fraternity house. Members of Sigma Pi carried him out of the house. They told police that they thought fresh air might help. A witness told police that four or five men carried the pledge outside. All of them fled, except for one, who stayed until paramedics arrived. The University of Buffalo immediately suspended all Greek activities on campus pending an investigation. It has been rough for many since Colin died. Aiden has tried to keep himself busy. He's been through intense therapy. Part of that included a decision not to attend any more graduation parties in late spring. This woman came up, me and my brother, and uh, one of his best friends were sitting, 
at um, his best friend's younger brother graduation party. And we were just sitting talking and everything. And this woman came up to us in the middle of it and she goes, I'm sorry like to interrupt. She's saying like how what we're doing is like great and like how she's like giving us all her support and she loves like our parents are doing what we're doing and then she's like saying she's like like i hope all those dudes get thrown in jail and stuff like that which we usually hear and that's like i don't know that part's like kind of i don't know i feel like too much because then it's like that's when it kind of like brings out because like i mean yeah they should be thrown in jail maybe but like i don't know that's when it kind of bothers me because then it's like that's when you know that it's not like a like a normal like death it's like i don't know that's when it kind of like triggers that like it's like horrible kind of 13 year old ava is making a play for the title of big cheese the family has attended memorials and charity events organized in colin's honor around the neighborhood his former girlfriend brinley and the wyans remain in touch she has a new boyfriend and is in her sophomore year at the university of dayton there hasn't been an opportunity to completely heal Kathleen and Wade have routine meetings with their attorney as they work through the lawsuit they filed against Sigma Pi. Athens police still have not completed the criminal investigation. There has been no word of when it will be completed. The family would at least like a timeline from police. Kathleen has started speaking engagements at seminars about hazing and the horrific tragedies that can result. Ava has gone with her. It's been an outlet for both of them. See, I don't mind the kids' question. I just hate when people go, how are you holding up? That annoys me, because I'm, I'm just like, I'm fine. You don't need to ask me. The Wyan family got a new dog, a Labradoodle named Kobe. Colin's favorite basketball player was Kobe Bryant. But the painful reminders are constant and come without warning. While she was getting a haircut recently, a woman asked Kathleen how many kids she has. Kathleen wasn't sure how to respond, but she said five. But is it four now? When she got home, she googled, After my child dies, how do I answer the question how many kids I have? Back in Athens, it took Ohio University almost a year since Colin died. But the school has begun to come down hard on hazing. The administration paid more attention to the rushing and pledging process. And in October, they announced the suspension of all 15 fraternities governed by the Interfraternity Council after receiving reports of hazing involving nine of those 15 frats. All Greek activities stopped for those fraternities. Hall Jones said the university is doubling efforts to monitor and curb hazing. But it needs help. We would like to have a, a community of prevention so that it doesn't happen in the first place. But if hazing is happening on our campus, the only way for us to stop it right now is for people to come forward. And so to have kind of the how to report and the links to report, uh, I think would be uh, helpful. 45 Mill Street, the former off-campus house of the fraternity, looks the same. But no banners have been hung from the front porch. No more epic parties. Some of the fraternity members have moved on, either by graduating or leaving the school. Elijah Wahib, Corbin Gustafson, and Joshua Andrusak are no longer enrolled at Ohio University, school administrators said. 
They also said they disciplined individual fraternity members after the process with the Sigma Pi chapter was complete. They declined to name which students were punished, citing federal student privacy laws. None of the three men responded to messages left by the dispatch seeking comment. What happened at 45 Mill and with the members of Sigma Pi still haunts Kathleen and Wade. They no longer love the university that provided them with so much joy. So my daughter just started med school there, you know, so she had her white coat ceremony. So we went down last Thursday and to celebrate, we all went out to dinner afterwards and she picked Jackie O's. And so we're sitting in there and she has no idea that's the last place we were with Colin at OU. It was just so like awful. She doesn't know that. Stuff. And tell her. It's very hard. It's just such a dark place now. It's very, very hard. That isn't lost on Dr. Jenny Hall-Jones, OU's Dean of Students. She broke down when she heard about the Wyant's pain. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I've, I've only worked here. I'm going to see if this is like, um, I've worked here 21 years. Both my kids go to school here. If something like that happened to my child, I would have feelings too, right? So it's, um, it's totally understandable because I know how much they love this place. Or they loved this place. Um, so personally, it's just devastating. Uh, but I understand it. Like, I totally do. Wade remains angry with his alma mater. Angry that a group of young men, who vowed brotherhood above all else, would enable his son to become something he wasn't. Angry that his son lay there gasping for air, while others wondered if they should call for help. Angry that he wasn't there that night for his son. Angry that he didn't find a way to get Colin out. Angry that no matter what else happens with the investigation, the lawsuit, the university, or Greek life, nothing can bring his boy back. The problem I always have, and I've said, is that uh, I carry a lot of guilt that I wasn't there with him that night to say it's to protect him. Because it had to be the worst feeling in the world to feel trapped, that you don't have a choice. You don't have a way out. You're scared. You can't tell your parents, hey, mom, dad, you know, they forced me to do cocaine and Xanax. What should I do? Can you help me? Look, that phone call's never happening. I don't care what kid. What I feel sad about is the fact that he was trapped. And I can't imagine how scared and sad that he was, that he could have been. To say, I have to do this, I'm being forced to do this, and it's against everything that I stand for. And I'm sure he felt ashamed, and I'm, you know, and I'm sure he felt upset, and I'm sure he felt scared, and we didn't know, and there was no way for us to protect him. The Broken Pledge team includes Patrick Flaherty, podcast editor and audio engineer, Lucas Sullivan, executive director, writer and reporter, Mike Wagner, writer and reporter, Rachel Kilroy, national projects designer, Alan Miller, editor, Michelle Everhart, assistant managing editor, Kelly Lecker, assistant managing editor, and me, Sheridan Hendricks, narrator and reporter.
If you want to learn more about Colin, see family photos, and photos of Sigma Pi's Ohio University chapter, please visit dispatch.com slash broken pledge. <laughs>